Awkwardness Podcast, where every episode we talk to a badass musician about their musical journey from its earliest beginnings to now. They play us one of the first songs they ever wrote, and then we talk about their progression as an artist, how that early song put them on the path to their present career. And then, you know, we just nerd out about music and pop culture and any number of other whimsical tangents. We're your hosts. I'm Rose Sean. Hey, I'm Terrence LeClaire. And I'm Tony Tancredi. I like that we nerd out. We nerd yeah. out. Oh, we nerd out, on all right. gear. So fun. We're really excited today to be talking to Eric Kanata of the band Young the Giant. Their single, My Body, was in the Billboard Top 100. They've toured with Incubus. Oh, my God, love played the main stage at Lollapalooza, and their songs have even appeared on Glee and American Idol. Eric is a super busy guy and has several other musical projects, including Travelers with fellow Young the Giant member Francois. Francois. Did I say that right, Terrence? Well, oui, oui, c'est Francois. Oui. <laughs> and uh, as well as his latest self-named solo project. But Tony, I want to know how you know Eric. Yeah, Tony, tell us. Spill the beans, Tony. Uh, okay, I will. Spill, I shall. Uh, I met Eric through music about 200 years ago, and our bands liked each other, you know? And he kept in contact after they got some fame, and I thought that was so dope, and we've been friends ever since. He's a rad dude, and you're, well, you're going to hear all about it from him. So. Amazing. Yeah. He is indeed a rad dude. We're going we're gonna to have a backyard hang with him. Yeah, Eric's <laughs> going uh, to tell us all about, uh, about the old days um, when he was a kid growing up in Orange County. And we like to say on this show that everyone starts somewhere. So let's get started here. My favorite, probably. Because I saw, I was actually, this is such a random question, but in that documentary, um, you were at the market and you were playing like this guitar that had F holes in it. Do you remember that? Um, and I was, since I have you here, it's like, what was that guitar? Just curiously. <laughs> at the market in, in India? In Mumbai, yeah. I don't remember. That's so funny. I don't remember what that was. Because it was like, yeah, I guess that was like six years ago or something or like something. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, yeah, I was just curious because it was just like, it looked like some kind of old Gretsch or something. But I, yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> But it was a regular guitar, right? Like a like yeah, it was like American style. Like yeah, it seemed acoustic. Western style. Yeah, Western yeah. style. Man, for sure. I love a guitar with f holes. I don't know the aesthetic of that. I'm just like yeah, so into it. That violin thing, you know? Yay! Welcome, Eric, to Rockwardness. What's yeah. up, dude? Thanks for having me. So good to see you. Good to see you too. Welcome <laughs> to Spencer's backyard. Yeah. We're Thank you, Spencer. Orange trees, birds singing. I don't know how much of it comes through mics, but. You can really hear the orange. It's very, it's, you can really hear the orange. So, yeah, tell us about where you got started. Yeah, okay. So I, well, I was born in New Jersey. Mm. So that's where I got started. East Coast. And when I was about six weeks old, my family moved to Orange County. That's for the best. Nice. Yeah, and I'm very grateful. My dad got a taste of Southern California before I was born and then decided, kind of, let's go back to California. He didn't like the cold. So, yeah, I grew up in Irvine. And uh, when I was about 10 or so, my, I have two older brothers, like I said, and I have an older sister as well. And uh, one of my older brothers, Aaron, uh, when I was about 10 or so, and he was 15, he uh, asked my mom for his birthday. So his birthday is July 13th. My birthday is July 20th, and my other brother Jason's birthday is July 20th. We have the same birthday. We're seven years oh, apart. Wow. So, oh, yeah. so that, um, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, Summer party. So yeah, I right? think around the time, it was either a birthday or you know around Christmas or the holiday or something, and uh, my brother asked my mom for a bass guitar, and my mom was going to go to Guitar Center and get him a bass guitar. Or, or Jim, it might have been Jim's Music, actually. It was Jim's Music, which was a local music store in Irvine, um, and... I begged my mom, like, please take me. I want a guitar. Like, get me a guitar. If you're getting an iron or bass, you're getting me a guitar. Please, please, please. And so we went to Jim's Music, and, and I got my first guitar, which was a blue uh, Squire Strat Pack, which was... Oh, nice. It came with a little amp. Yeah. And, you still have uh, it? I still have the, the, the Squire, the, the guitar. I don't think I have the amp. Um, but yeah, I still have it, and it's just totally, it doesn't work at all. It's totally, <laughs> there's like one string on it, and I, I have it. I actually, um, my parents recently moved, so I kind of got all the stuff left that, you know, was still kind of, you know, old, like, art you did in, like, fourth grade or whatever, and mm -hmm. picked up, like, a little crate of the, the last, the remnants of uh, what I had there. 
and funny enough, my sister and her husband and they just had a child mo- bought the house that I grew up in. So oh whoa yeah, so it's still oh, in the family. Oh I love that. Me too. I That's love awesome. That. The yeah. story continues. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so I got a guitar and for the first couple years, I you know I would try to learn you know power chords. I was really into kind of like what I guess I consider like melodic punk music my brothers were listening to. Um, Well, at the time, you know, my oldest brother was getting into guitar as well. And, you know, he was like, at one point had like a half stack and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, my first guitar pedal was a metal zone, boss metal zone that I saw, (laughs) which is a great pedal. Yeah. So that definitely got you that (laughs) like palm muted, chunky guitar tone. And so, yeah, my brothers showed me Bands like Face to Face, uh, you know, Lagwagon, Pennywise, Mill and Colin, No Effects, No Use for a Name, just all these bands. Um, and then Blink-182 hit, and that was like the craze yep. for even my, kids my age. So yeah. I think I was listening to music that my brothers were listening to, and they're five and seven years older than I am. And I didn't really know many kids who were, unless they had older siblings, they weren't really listening to that. But then Blink-182 hit, and I feel like that really took hold for a lot of people in my elementary school. Um, (laughs) And uh, I remember that too. (laughs) That's definitely what they were going for. (laughs) Yeah. The elementary uh, school kids. And so that's what I was really into. And I remember my brother would, you know, every once in a while I'd be driving around with him and he would ask me, I remember pretty clearly, like he would ask me, what band is this? And I'd be like, I have no idea. What do, how do you even know what band this is? <laughs> you know, and, and then, you know, weeks go by and I'm in his car again. He's like, what band is this? And I, it kept being like, dude, how can you tell? He's like, listen to the guitar tone. Listen to, listen to his voice. Like, listen to what, you know, how it sounds. And, and, that, and after a while, I was like, oh, like, this is face to face. Like, this, because the voice is kind of scratchy and, and but low and, like, the guitar sound like this. And I could start hearing everything in the mix, you know, like, oh, this is... Melancholin, because of the, these kinds of guitars, and this is blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, th- that was the music that I really was like, oh, this is the music. Like, this is cool music. Because my brothers, you know, when you have older brothers, it's oh, like, yeah. hopefully, unless you have a bad relationship with them, I, I, I idolize them. I was totally. like, oh, everything they like is cool. Absolutely. And so, um, so that was what I kind of was introduced with and wanted to play when I was really young. And um, it took about two years before I really picked up the guitar and became obsessed with it. So I must have been like 12 or maybe 13 years old when I, I think I heard my other brother playing my guitar. He was the one who got the bass and I heard him improving. I heard him like writing something like on his own. And I was like, oh my God, like you can write your own shit. Like it was just, it was this moment of like, wait, he, he's getting better and I haven't touched it in two years. So yeah, and then, yeah, I think about 12 or 13, I really became just, like, obsessed with the guitar. And that was, like, you know, art and everything. I was, you know, any art classes or anything that I wanted to do with, with drawing or painting was kind of like, well, that's not cool. You know, standing in front of my parents' glass door with the guitar over my, you know, shoulder pretending to be on stage, that was, like, the dream, <laughs> you know? Oh, I love yeah. that. yeah. And you're living it now. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, what kind of bass did he get? Do you remember? It was like a squire. squire it was like, like I think it was like a five-string squire. Oh, oh a five-string. So and I think it's still. It's at my parents' new house. Like it's. It's like mo- like moved. You know, it's been with. It's still in the family. That's so cool. Yeah. That, so it's your brother who made you play the guitar. You know, he was kind of like him playing it. It's funny just because I remember like I, I had a telly. Squire, yeah, and it was like the the reason why they said the, the guy at Guitar Center, which is where I got my from, was like uh, get a guitar that you like looking at because uh, it'll make you want to pick it up more and it'll make you want to practice it more. Yeah, that's- so it's kind of like that's a good example with your brother. He was playing it and getting good at it. You're like, that looks awesome. I yeah. want to do that. Yeah. It might not be the song you wanted to play, but do you have like any like couple of bars of like some of the songs, those punk rock songs that you wrote back in those days? Um, just to kind of like get <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this because um, and the moose bush I, I so like I, I remember lit like licks you know what I mean like yeah. some of the early and, and they, these are definitely licks that I'm sure 
hundreds of kids made up. <laughs> I don't have a pick on me, but it doesn't matter. It, it, oh, uh, the, you need a pick? Sure, yeah, if you have one, just because these are... This There's is a, probably one around. Funny. <laughs> Tony's a pocket picker. What yeah. was the term? That's me, I'm a pickpocket. Pickpocket. He's got picks in his Thank pockets. You. He doesn't. He won't take your wallet, but he'll give you a pick. <laughs> so it, it was stuff like this. Like I remember this one was really early on. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. <laughs> and then like this was it. one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, oh yeah. I definitely have to give a shout out to Thrice because I, I left them out, but Thrice was, you know, for Irvine, especially coming from Irvine, they like, and Tepe, the guitar player, that was like, for us, you know, when we hit high school, it was like, oh my God, you know, artists in the ambulance, like that, that was like the stuff we were trying to thrice. You know, emulate, like whatever. Um, they were the coolest. I mean, and, the coolest, yeah. and their name is like iconic as well. Just, it's yep. that, it's such a, you know, like thrice cursive. That was such a mm -hmm. like specific cursive, time and yes. genre, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so those were like leads, like, were you playing lead, like with anybody else? I, now I'm thinking your brother was like, playing bass and you were playing lead, forming your own Blink-182 kind of situation? You know, when I went into high school, I um, had a group of friends, a couple friends who were also kind of obsessed with guitar or just music in general. And so my first, I'd say one of the first bands that I was in that, that actually played a show, I think we played one show, was called The Mute. And, That's a great name. And... Uh, yeah, and so that was, and I was playing bass in that band. Nice. So because we had our singer who played guitar, and then um, this other guitar player who was a year old, older than us, and he was, you know, w we really looked up to him. He was obsessed with John Frusciante and like the Mars Volta. So he was on like another tip, you know, already. Oh yeah. He was a year older, <laughs> and like he was into like you know, kind of. Um, just shredding crazy. I mean, he. Some. Of, I remember watching him guitar solo just by himself and being like, <laughs> "His name's Darren." And I just remember being like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah, how'd dude, you this do? This is it? insane. Yeah. This is, and um, what is this magic? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, "All right, I'll play bass." Like, <laughs> I'll play You're like, bass. "All right, bro. Yeah, got it." And, Respect. Uh, yeah. So that was the first. Band. I forget the question, but that was the so first that was band. so so many questions. I'm like, is it was it your brother's bass? Did you get a new bass? Like, was it an investment? That bass in like <laughs> must have been. I I don't think it was my brother's because I definitely wasn't. It wasn't a five string. <laughs> uh, I think it might have yeah. been my friend Rods, who's one of my closest friends from childhood. Um, who I think it he had this bass. It was made by the company National or something like that. It was this weird. Oh. It was like German. I don't remember what it was exactly. But his like uncle had given it to him years ago, you know, when he was a kid, and I think that, I think if I remember correctly, that was the bass I was playing, and he was the bassist in the band, and then got kind of booted because For we you? found this other guitar player, and then oh, I became shit. the bassist. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we want the bass, just not you. Well, he's to this day. I mean, we probably would crack up about it, but to this day, I mean, we're still really close. And, uh, and, but he's uh, never shout forgiven you. Just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Rod. No, he's definitely forgiven me for that. I don't think it was not really like, you know, there was friends that would we would play with and then we kind of just, it would, you know, then they might not have been as into it at the time or something. And it just didn't, you know, I don't know. We... Uh, I wouldn't say we kicked out anyone out. It was more just like the natural progression yeah. of who was playing at the time. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So some people no, are just no hard feelings. Some yeah, people yeah. are more down. I uh, so the mute. You were how old at that point? Um, it was probably the beginning of high school, like okay. maybe fourteen, maybe f yeah. Just just trying to contextualize, yeah. you know. I want to know what the bar was, what the club was. That one gig. <laughs> oh, so we played. Well, the the and I'm sure Tony may you may have played this venue, but the. Uh, in Irvine, there was a community center, the Heritage Park Community Center. I don't know if you ever played this. It was like a, right across the field from Irvine High School where we went to oh, school. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I want to say I went to a show there, though. Yeah, there was a library, and connected to the library was this little, like, space with a, you know, a stage. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the place where we would go to shows. Um, and 
I, you know, we saw bands like um, Great Glass Elevators. Yep. Remember them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, they and I remember being like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, really cool kind of psychedelic, dancey music. I don't remember exactly, but um, they would have Battle of the Bands there. And so we played a Battle of the Bands, and we lost. And... Uh, we how close did you get though were you like second well we were really nervous yeah and our singer was it your first gig ever we had i think we had played or like you that was like the first real gig i would say or like you know people were there it was like a venue with a stage and stuff that's so cool yeah so and i remember our singer started singing and he had this the delay a delay pedal Mm -hmm. plugged into his microphone like for his vocals trippy and uh he starts singing into the microphone and he's literally there's the microphone's not on or something's oh, not no. working with the delay pedal or something like that. Oh, and no. so you're literally the mute for the first like song. <laughs> and uh, audience members are like, yeah, I you're get welcome. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So fr- so that like Meta. derailed the show. Like that, like, you know, from there on the show was just like, Oh yeah. Oh, when, my when something God. like that happens in the first minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were just, we were doomed. I think we've yeah. all been there. And then we broke up we like were like, that was embarrassing. We're done. <laughs> After the first show you oh, guys broke up. Much. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Yeah. That's yeah. sad. Yeah, you're like, yeah. you know what? It's just not going to work out. Yeah. So <laughs> Right. It's so like, yeah, it's so funny how like at that age, it's everything is so important that it's like, oh, man, yeah, this band can never exist now. You know? <laughs> yeah. we, like, we uh, That blew it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think we, we, yeah, we were just embarrassed, you know? I was yeah, an embarrassed. It's real. It feels so real. I yeah. Know. I think, I mean, it's common, I think, for a lot of people, but I think middle school to into into high school, I was very awkward, very, just very embarrassed of letting people get to know me and being, you know, I was like really goofy and fun with the friends that I was like really close with outside of school. And then at school, I was like completely like, you know, closed off and not, yeah, I didn't want to engage with people for some reason. Did music help with that? It did eventually when I joined the Jakes, which was the band that yeah. I joined that became Young the Giant in yeah. high school. And so I think You joined that them in high school. You were yeah. in high school. Yeah. I was 16 or so. I think it was 2006 or 2007, maybe. I, I'm so curious about the name. I guess uh, what made everyone... Do you know why the change from Jakes to Young the Giant? Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, so I joined the Jakes in high school. And, uh, well, the Jakes... The Jakes was a band before I had joined... Um, the, I guess the o- the only members who were at the origin of the Jakes who are in Young the Giant who are still in Young you know are in Young the Giant are Samir and, and Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an acronym for their names. So it was, oh, it was, yeah, it was like Jake, Adam, Kevin, Esan, Samir. Oh, that's brilliant. So it was an acronym for the the members of the band when the, when it first started. And yeah, and they were like a they were a local band. Um, Jake, who's the other guitar player, and uh, and Samir, who's the singer, and I went to Irvine High School together. They're a year older than I am. And they were like the cool local band that would play, that would like sell out Heritage Park Community Center. And then they started playing at Disneyland and they were doing yeah. all this stuff. And wow. uh, yeah, I don't know. The, I guess the, if the question was, when did we change the name? Why, why Young the Giant? We, so we all graduated high school. We went off to college. Um, I was at Long Beach State for just a semester. The other guys, some of them went to uh, schools up in Northern California. And um, so everyone started college and we're a year to two years in. I had just started college um, because I'm the youngest. And um, after a semester, we decided let's take a year off of school. And we like pitched it to our parents very seriously, Mm -hmm. like in a meeting with manila folders and everything. (laughs) We had like a plan, like we're going to move to Newport Beach and we're going to... try to get signed and if we dude i love that if we get signed by a major record label by the start before the start of the new school year um then we'll take a stab at it and do the band thing and if we don't get signed by a major record label then we'll go back we'll all go back to school I don't know if I would have gone back to school. (laughs) (laughs) i was like i'm going to santa cruz yeah yeah right eating mushrooms and be a hippie (laughs) but no um everyone was very serious about college as well and um on july 20th which was my 19th birthday 2009 we got signed we got a uh, <gasps> offer from roadrunner records happy birthday, happy birthday to you. <laughs> wow 
That must have been an amazing birthday. I know. Yeah, th- I, there were some good birthdays in those like late teens, like 18, 19 years old. I f- yeah, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Just, I mean, just in general, that age is like I, I leaving s- high school. <laughs> yeah. I so wish uh, that I could have witnessed you guys collectively telling your parents that you were leaving college. Right, I can picture it now with the, the folders. Yeah, the first thing that popped into my head was like, oh, I bet your parents loved that. Um, but it sounds like they were pretty supportive. Uh, What I remember happening was we moved to Newport Beach and we had a big party for like six months. Nice. (laughs) Because we Would you play at the party or was it more just like party party? No, we just were, we were living by the beach and we weren't going to school and, uh, yeah. And we were, we could have taken it much more seriously in the regards of like, we need to buckle down and write a bunch of music right now, which we in, in, eventually did after about six months of just like freedom, <laughs> like, You're oh, like, my God, like, this is amazing. So we wrote a couple of songs in the first like half a year that we were off, you know, school and um, and we would play shows um, because we had written an EP called Shake My Hand and we recorded it. And this was before we left, uh, before we stopped going to school. Um so we had like written and recorded the EP in maybe the summer of 2008 or something like that. And then we went all went off, or t- summer of 2007 maybe. I'm terrible with dates and stuff. But then we ended up going off to college and we had this EP and that was what was kind of allowing us to play those shows is because we had this body, you know, we had these seven songs and we had been writing a few more songs. And so we had this body of work and um, small body of work. And one of the songs on the EP is a song called Cough Syrup. Mm-hmm. And so that song was heard by an A&R guy at, an A&R person at, uh, who was working at Road Under Records. And I think that, that, if I remember correctly, the drummer of the Jonas Brothers showed him the song. Oh, wow. Wow, Or something that's like that. Yeah. Showed the A&R guy, because he was friends with this A&R guy. But a few months before I joined, um, my sister showed the record or, you know, showed the music, you know, the Jake's music to my cousin who was going to school at USC for music business. Oh, perfect. And he really liked the the record. And so I remember going to a show with my sister and my cousin to see the Jake's before I joined and cut a few months later, maybe six months. I don't remember exactly the timeline that I ended up actually joining the band. Um, but so our cousin, my cousin was, was helping and is still one of the managers of the band to this day. And uh, he was helping book shows for us. So really a big reason why we stayed together during that period of time that we all went off to college was we had someone saying, hey, you have two shows this month. So guys who are up in Northern wow. California, you come, come down and play these shows. And he was helping us get these shows in L.A. And, uh, and yeah, and I think he was doing his best to, at the time, you know, push push the EP out there. Um, he believed in you guys, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was a huge help. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another. And this A&R guy heard Cough Syrup, one of the songs that was on the record, and and wanted to sign us. It's a great song. And it ended up on Glee. And it ended up on Glee. It's everywhere. Which is how yeah. you know you've made it, actually. <laughs> didn't, didn't like a church or something in Texas like picket you guys or protest you guys because of that song or some weird um, BS like that? Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily that particular song. It might have oh, been okay. part part of that song, I guess, because the because of you know lean and people drinking cough syrup as a yeah. as a drug. Um, but um, the the Westboro Baptist Church, yeah, they they yeah they <laughs> not listeners of the they show. They <laughs> picketed a show of ours in the Midwest. I can't remember exactly where it was. They picketed a show. I saw photos online. It was pretty gnarly. That's what they yeah. like to do. They like to picket. Yeah, it was kind of like a interesting rite of passage or something. It was just like, and they they put out like a, a a article. I don't know what they. I guess they put out like these kind of one sheet memos yeah. of like this band is the Antichrist because they talk about drugs and wow. they're not spreading the God's uh, God's uh, word and stuff like that. And and they said something like that we we. Don't we purposely don't comb our hair or something, or don't what? groom our beards? Or <laughs> what? It was like pretty, pretty bizarre. Which we didn't. I don't comb my hair. Uh, I don't have yeah. my hair left. So. <laughs> so they were right. <laughs> but you know, what's funny. This is kind of silly, but like when I first heard cough syrup, 
um, I was trying to understand what that song was about. And I just imagine it's this guy who's like sick and he's trying to get better and he's thinking about all the things he's going to do once he gets better. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. And I think I didn't think of it like, oh, recreationally drinking. That, that's not at all. And that's not at all what we were singing about. It wasn't about recreational drugs. It was, it was, it was what you took from it, I think, is really at the core of the song, mm. which is being somewhere you don't want to be and in, in getting and improving your life in some way and feeling freer and, and more. Um, light and, and, you know, going from a, a stagnant place to an adventurous place, really. And I think that what you took from it is maybe, you know, to me as a part of the band, you know, a, a amazing takeaway from the song. Because we see people singing it and out when we play shows, and um, that makes me happy to hear that that's your takeaway because it it's maybe has connected with people in, in a positive way of like, you know, I want to you know, improve my circumstance or I want to feel better about where I am or something like that. Hey, that song is good medicine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I did sort of assume that it was about taking cough syrup recreationally because um, <laughs> there was a, well, I did, I did let a well, cousin. Well, then the song would have been called Robo Trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did let a cousin talk me into Robo Tripping one time and I yeah. don't recommend it. <laughs> so, so before we get too far down that path, uh, not robo-tripping, but uh, <laughs> songwriting. Like, so early songs, we heard a couple riffs of back in your punky days. Mm-hmm. But was there a song that you wrote like pre-Jakes, pre like around that era, maybe like around the era of the mutes or something? Was there a song that you wanted to share that was like kind of an early, early songwriting attempt? Yeah, I mean, I this was it was hard for me to figure out what like a full-on song I could sing because there was a lot of fragmented songs that I feel like I wrote and I don't have and I and I got into recording young when I was about 14 or so. I got Cubase. Oh wow. I know. And Dude, so that's where I started. Yeah, Cubase yes. LE7 I think it was. My oh, parents yeah, bought yeah. me and it was I'm so glad that they did. And uh, so I have recordings somewhere on like, I think my parents have a computer in their garage sitting there that I don't know if it works, but, and things I could remember from when I was younger, like I remember this idea that that song I had, there was a band after the mute called Downside Up, which was like the Jack Johnson kind of band. (laughs) So I remember that one was like, you know? Yeah. You never asked if I understood anything you ever said. Something like that, you know? The answer's no. <laughs> the joke's on you that I never done. That's all I... Re- and I can't, like, remember anything out. Yeah, and so was... there's, like, the Jack Johnson era obsession of, like, the acoustic band. And then... Um, um, Were you, like, the main songwriter for that band? No, it was me and the other singer who was the singer of, of The Mute. And, yeah, and then from there, I remember, you know, I was... I was always into kind of just writing songs on the acoustic guitar and like folk folk music. And so, um, you know, later I, I started a, a band called Travelers, which um, which was with the same, was a couple of the same guys that I had been playing music for a while. Um, that was a mix of that record that we put out that wasn't years later till we put out the record, but I was writing kind of folk folk songs by myself, and then it was a mix of those songs with songs that um, the other guys in the band were writing, or songs that we had written together. And and one of them, which is on that record that came out in like 2015 or something, is called Pope John Paul, mm. and that was one I wrote when I was younger. That's um, like this. John Paul left a note on my wall Telling me that I'm too far away And all of his saints, they will fall to the ground And they'll pray that their women will follow Every time 
And all of the bears, they will stare at my face Will they mind if I shave off my beard? I haven't been here for a year And I'm scared that they won't recognize me at all Hibernating bear Hippie love and fears The same old things Every time Every time sounds amazing oh, Thank sounds you. So That's, good. and you wrote that when you were how old um that must have been around like 17 or 18 can you uh can you uh tell us a little bit about the inspiration yeah i, I think that uh i remember writing it um i would write songs in my my parents have uh in the house that now my sister lives in um there's like a kind of like a bedroom downstairs that we called the music room and, uh, yeah, I would write songs in there. They had, like, a little twin bed that, you know, like a guest could sleep on or kind of like a couch bed thing. And, uh, and yeah, I just remember writing. Um, I was re- getting really into finger picking. Um, and I just remember kind of playing this, this lick. And I just found when I, I think when I was younger, I just enjoyed certain... Um, ideas like or like phrases or like things that didn't really make too much sense to me like Pope John Paul like I literally at the time had no idea who that was I just heard about Pope John Paul it was just sounded cool to me it was like the the yeah and I really have no idea I mean Pope John Paul left a note on my wall telling me that that I'm too far away and um and all the saints they will fall to the ground they'll pray that their women will follow I really I don't think I had any idea what that Meant. I think at the time I was just thinking that it sounded really, uh, the words sounded interesting together. Yeah. Um, and then in retrospect, looking at it, I feel like, yeah, it was really just like imagery. I feel like when I was younger, I was a little bit more free, f- free in, in using imagery that I didn't really know what it meant. Um, and as I got older, I feel like, and, and, and um, what lived more or whatever, um, I tend to, when I write, stuff for myself or when I'm writing by myself um with especially with an acoustic guitar I tend to I feel like go into a more personal realm um and whereas when I was younger I feel like there was a little bit more like I I remember I had another song called uh Flying Fish and the lyrics were like I lost my best friend to the mountains he flew away like Mary Poppins (laughs) and every day I hear him and every day I hear him, like, and every day I hear him, hear him talking under the wind and inside the breathing tree or something like that. And it was just like these kind of tri- little more tripped out imagery, yeah. you know, almost like uh, fairy tale. Makes me tale. think of like Yellow Submarine or something, like mm. that kind of art, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you were less constrained by like, I feel like as you sort of, you know, hone a craft, you start being like, well, it needs to make sense or it needs to mean something. But maybe when you're just trying it out, it's like... This just sounds cool. Pope John Paul left a note on my wall is a pretty dope rhyme scheme. It, it is. Um, yeah, that's got it, like, you know, it that's, it's a great yeah. flow. Like that whole first verse, yeah. it has like a really beautiful sonic flow, and, and it sounds like it means something. I just remember, um, yeah, thinking more about just the feeling and the, and the sounds of the words, um, not as much the meaning for sure. And it's always like something you try to almost get back to I feel like a lot of people talk about that trying to get back to that innocent innocent childlike mind and someone that I admire who I think does a good job at you know not necessarily being so um like this has to mean something right away I I really admire Jeff Tweedy and Mm. and how he writes and I, I read his uh one of his books called uh how to write one song, mm-hmm. and uh, 
and it was cool. Like one of the things he talks about is just um, kind of words in general and just interesting words. And like, you know, he has songs like, you know, the assassins down the Avenue and like not knowing what it means, but the, the phrase feeling really interesting Hmm. and then it finding meaning in it maybe after the fact or doing something where you write a whole song of, of mumble, which we do a lot, you know, with young, the giant as well. And I do a lot in general when I'm writing is find melodies that I really like and just mumble and try to feel as loose as, and, and in a flow state as much as I can. And then you start picking out words in the mumble and all of a sudden this song has a meaning. And I think a lot of people find that when they write that way and when it does work that in that way, there's almost this like magic that happens where you didn't even write the song. Yes. It's, it's that other like other uh, factor that, you know, you channeled mm-hmm. something that you didn't even realize you had yeah, that's the juice what was the transition from like punk rock squire strat to like acoustic and finger picking was it like you have an amazing gorgeous gibson that we should take a picture of <laughs> yeah but like is that an old guitar is that like how did that all happen so yeah this i bought um maybe six or seven years ago mm-hmm. and um the, the transition for me, I don't remember when I got my first acoustic. I think it was like an Ibanez. It's like this orange sunburst, yeah. like Ibanez with like the cutaway and <laughs> oh, yeah. the electronic, uh, you know, the plug-in and everything. I think that was my first acoustic guitar. Um, I, well, I was really into kind of that, the melodic punk stuff that my brothers were showing me. Um, but as I got older, I started getting really into, um, I mean, I was obsessed with bright eyes. Like I'm, I'm wide yeah. awake. It's morning came Same. out and that oh, was like yeah. in my car. So was, good. You know, I was driving my brother's like 98 Mustang and like that was on repeat and, and, uh, but then also Bob Dylan and, um, and then, you know, when I was pretty young, actually my, uh, brother Aaron came home from college. He was going to school in Santa Cruz and, uh, his roommate in freshman year, showed him the song The General by Dispatch. Mm. You ever hear that song? I don't think so, no. It's, it's like, he was a decorate. Stories he told of past battles won lost and legends of old. Seasoned veteran in his own time. On the battlefield, he gained respect. It's a, it's, it's a song, the band is called Dispatch. They're like kind of an East Coast jam-ish, jammy band, like in that world, in the, in the like, you know, maybe OAR and um, Dave Matthews Band kind mm, of thing. Mm-hmm. But that particular song, I remember him showing me, and and then he showed me the blues scale. He's like, oh, he. I think his roommate may have taught him the blues scale, the pentatonic, you know, you know, blues scale, and showed me that like if he plays, you know, simple, I could, you know, you know, jam uh, along yeah, with it. Yeah. And that, that was kind of at the moment, you know, when I was like, because when he was going to college. He's five years older than I am. So if he was going to college when he was 17, 18 years old, I was 13. You know, this is when I got really into the guitar. It's because I was like, wow, like, you know, there's, I loved this one song and it kind of had a bluesy feel. And I really, you know, kind of got into blues and blues licks. It was like the aha moment. Yeah, like open the door of like, improvisation like mm. if a friend just just play these two chords these three chords and I'll, I'll jam on it like let's <laughs> play, you know like when you do a jam with friends and someone pl- like is playing bass and they're literally just going you know what I mean and, and then the drummer's like oh yeah boom, boom, and then you're just like you know and then it's all of a sudden you're like oh my god like this is more than just like yeah yeah and uh so I got really into the Playing blues, I never really got into listening to blues. I got into like just playing blues, the blues scale, and, and tinkering with that, and uh, and and just scales, just that scale. I, I never really got into uh, taking many lessons or or getting into the theory side of things. But yeah, I got into like kind of the folk and blues ish world, and then uh, just interested in that. And then uh, yeah, so I just and I've re- I think I realized at some point that the music that my dad had been listening to was there was much more depth in that i think as you get older you're like oh wait a minute like this tom petty song is awesome or you know my dad's from jersey so it's like you know bruce springsteen yeah. and mm. 
Fleetwood Mac and and Tom Petty. That is, these were the things that he was listening listening to. Yes, and like ELO, and it just it, like uh, you know uh, Rod Stewart. You know, sure, yeah, uh, Billy I Joel, love Rod Stewart, um, <laughs> Billy Joel, East and Coast, yeah. uh, so Elton John. So th- these yeah, things yeah. were like, oh wow, like this is this is really incredible music. And um, so anyway, you know, you kind of grow up and and you realize that one thing isn't everything. Like you know, if I was like this kind of punk music is everything. This is the coolest. <laughs> then you're like, wait a minute, there's actually all this other cool stuff. And yeah. So well, yeah, It's I, like a very teenage thing, right? Of right. Like, oh, yeah. I am defined by this one kind of yeah. music that I like, this is who I am as a oh, person. Yeah. And then you start listening to a different kind of music and you feel like you have to like reinvent your personality now yep. because cause you're not, you're not <laughs> oh, like yeah. punk anymore or something. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's true. <laughs> no, true. true. <laughs> it's definitely true. And um, so yeah, and then at one point I just, I got really obsessed with the finger this one type of finger picking which I, I don't even necessarily know what the style of finger picking is um i think there's a style called the charlie something style finger picking i think that might be something similar of what i do but um you know with it's basically you know you're playing the the bass yeah with your thumb and then really i just use mostly these the pointer sure, finger and your middle yeah. finger so like like licks like cough syrup came from like from that kind of finger picking it's a very style. folky riff yeah and so the, you know the, and even like I remember My Body the, the song My Body by Young the Giant I remember we, we had lived we were living in West Hollywood right off of uh, we were living right off of Sunset Boulevard across the street from the Guitar Center oh boy oh, nice. it all comes back to Guitar Center baby and uh, <laughs> And I had bought, they have a vintage room in the back, and I had found this, mm-hmm. this cheap Oh, amp. that's a beautiful room at the yeah. Another yeah. one, so yeah. So we used to just go in there and be like, oh, my God, it's amazing. Yeah. And so I bought a, a, a new amp. It was a trainer amp, um, and it was, I still have it, and it's, like, you know, pretty big amp. And I got home with it, and I put it in my bedroom, and we were living in a two-bedroom apartment, the five of us, and the upstairs was, like, a loft where there were two beds because two of the guys slept up there and then like the drums were wedged between the beds. <laughs> that's where we would, would jam and write stuff. And uh, I remember getting the trainer amp and, and messing around with like just to kind of like, well, I can't even play it on this guitar, but I'll play it down here to give you an idea. You know, something like that. And then just switching the, uh, the, the this, you know, the, the root. And anyway... I come upstairs and we just kind of start jamming on those two chords and this, you know. And then, you know, Fran, our drummer, you know, and our bass player, you know, it was F or whatever. And and Samir's, you know, starts singing, you know, and within a matter of like 15, 20 minutes, my body, the song was kind of born. That's and, so real. Uh, still to this day, there's, I think, a influence of, of this licks that are written in a very, you know, like, you know, folky, almost like finger picked way, then presented in like an indie rock band. I guess. Well, but I mean, it's all, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, anything you play on a, an acoustic guitar sounds folky, basically. But yeah, if you play it on an electric and then like add delay or something, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's this different thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've talked a lot actually about um, writing guitar. But I'm kind of curious, um, when it came to, like, making the solo EP that you made, mm. you know, what... Lonely Beast. What was your um, what was your sort of approach to, like, lyric writing? And, I mean, was that something you've been focused on in the past? Or are you, you know, do you... Well, inf- uh, infofamouspeople.com said you're a celebrity guitarist. So, um, I don't <laughs> know if you so knew funny. that. Uh, <laughs> That's so celebrity guitarist. Yeah. He is. He's new Lindsay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but, yeah, so, I mean, you know, have you... Had had you previously been sort of more guitar focused and then kind of shifted gears, or have you always been like kind of into writing lyrics? I've always been into writing lyrics um, since I was a kid. Um, since I since I got the guitar, and the, from the first time writing a song, and um, you know, my, like I said, my my parents got me this computer program that could magically re- record me, and uh, so I, once I figured out how to put a mic and record something or, you know, whatever. Um, I was writing lyrics and writing songs and, um, and yeah, so 
it was always, I think, for me, hand in hand, like uh, playing guitar and singing. In terms of, it wasn't always hand in hand in the sense that when I was learning to play guitar as a kid, I wasn't automatically playing and singing. That's a very, that was very hard. I was like, how do you even mm, do yeah. that? Yeah. That was like, so yeah. great. Yeah. And standing up and playing, I'm like, wow. how does anybody do that? You're like, how do you do that? Yeah. So it's it's, I would just stand there standing up. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is, so, you know. <laughs> My friend Lucas McDuffie would wear his, like, you know, this was in high school and we had like a talent show or something. And yeah, he was a really good guitar player, but he would wear his guitar like up here yeah. because he said it was the I would closest too. thing yeah. to playing yeah. sitting, sitting down. Sitting down with it, yeah. Oh, I used to play so That was a so look high. too. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. And, it um, meant the people who really knew how to play guitar back then, they had their guitars way up. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're going to do some cool stuff. But Watch. it's still like, there's a certain threshold of height where it's like, no, that's actually unnatural too. Like, let's just <laughs> yeah. chill out and like keep it melt. Yeah. Like, I feel like last time I saw you play, you had it up pretty high. Yeah, I, I, I did it for a while. And then rec- more recently, I, I've had it at a more just standard, like, you know, yeah, yeah. standard place. Like acoustic um, or electric? Both, Both like, yeah. like when, like, cause I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a huge person. So like when we'd have like guitar techs try to put my guitar strap over their head to tune, they always would just put it on their shoulder. Cause they're like, dude, yeah. you, this mm-hmm. is like, what are you, right. my head's tiny. Like I have a <laughs> tiny head. So it's like, you know what I mean? So I would have it really high and, uh, I think I mellowed out on that a little bit, but, um, but, but yeah, I, I do I, think it's a cool look though. Yeah, no, it, I, it works I think, like, yeah, yeah it work, I think, you know, there's a band, uh, Phoenix is a, a yeah. band I really, really like and he wears um, it high they too. wear their yeah. guitars very high and, um, uh, it is a cool kind of thing. It's definitely a f- fashion statement. I feel like it's, it's old school in a way, like the old folk singers used to do that. Like maybe mm-hmm. Woody Guthrie, like mm-hmm. that was just the way you wore your guitars back then. Yeah. I, I was listening to your EP this morning and I love it. Thank you. Um, it's great, dude. Thank yeah, you so much. I, I, I guess. Um, I love another song. That's And I love Lonely Beast, obviously. Oh, oh, lyric wise, real quick. Like, do you still write lyrics with that channeling sense for like this album or was there the new like methods For, of lyric writing? For Lonely Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's still that gibberish kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's both. When I'm writing on guitar by myself, um, I tend to just sing melodies mm-hmm. and I'll just have my phone in a place where I can hear the guitar and my, vo- and my voice. And, uh, and yeah, I've had the song Lonely Beast for years. So that song mm-hmm. I wrote like, five or six years ago oh wow and um so you know from a pretty young age i was really interested in writing these kind of folk songs and um i never i always thought oh maybe one day i'll put something together and put something out and um and there was a period after a breakup where it was like 2017 or something like that in the summer and I had just moved to live by myself. And it was the first time I'd ever lived alone. And uh, I just remembered being like immersed in, um, I was reading a lot of um, a guy named Juddy Krishnamurti, mm. who uh, is, was kind of seen as like a guru figure in a way, um, but he was very much against uh, religion and, and gurus in general. That's funny. Yeah, so it was, it was, <laughs> It's, it's, he's very interesting, but um, in the, the beginning of the EP, the first voice you hear is his it, from, oh. a, from a lecture, and he says, what is freedom? And so I was thinking a lot about the idea of freedom and in relationship to people and um, living alone for the first time and having been broken up with for the first time. I had been in relationships where I was the one who broke up with the person, but I'd never been broken up with. And uh, I read a line in one of his books that said it was talking about how it, he, he said when someone is you know i am left i am lost i am lonely and saying how you know this idea of loneliness and being left um is not necessarily a, a it's not a bad thing that that looking inward and in, in solitude and, and looking inwardly is kind of where you find the truth in it all and so that was kind of the the catalyst you know, for that EP was initially that idea of, of being left in a good way, being, being left over, being the, being the last remaining thing to just look at yourself rather than being con- continuously kind of uh, distracted by all the energy of, of other people and other things and distractions in your life. And, and so it was just at that time a very self-reflective time uh, for me. And so, so I ended up writing 
for most of the uh, three of the five songs in that month and recording demos of them. And then I had this other song that I've been writing called When I Die, which is on there. And, and, and Lonely Beast was actually not going to make the record. I wasn't even thinking about recording it. Huh. And so I went in to record the EP with John O'Brien, who is the, uh, the engineer and producer that I work with a lot, who's also in another band of mine um, with me and the drummer from Young the Giant called Coma Culture. And so, um, so I wanted to do the EP with John, and he said... I, originally I wanted to play everything and I'm a, I'm a mediocre drummer and I could play <laughs> things with strings on them but you know dr- right. I was like I want to play everything I'm playing drums I'm playing do that you know I want it to be a solo EP it's just Eric that's the only name on there and um, and he's like it's like well he's like <laughs> what if I put together a band of guys you've never met like I'll put together a band of some a few guys and uh, and uh and just come in having never met these guys and just like record. We'll do one day with the band and then the next day we'll just do the vocals and finish it. And so so we did that and I, he put together this awesome band. Drummer's name is Levi. Bass player's name is Dave. And the piano slash pedal steel player, I'm feeling so bad right now because I'm just blanking on his name and, and he's in, such an incredible player and I'll think of it and have I to really shout it out. really enjoyed that I know, part I, of it. Yeah. Um, oh my God. And I read I, that I just recently I'm, too and he was so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you know so what? bad. We'll, I love we'll, we'll make sure we Yeah, we'll make sure we include that because yeah. it's just a brain fart. I apologize. I think it's Jer- Jeremy. I, anyway, so I went in and we, in, in, in that day we recorded these four songs and Lonely Beast wasn't one of them. And... Um, we had about 20, we did four songs live together, you know, acoustic, I was on this guitar, uh, we had the piano player slash pedal steel player either on piano or pedal steel that first day, um, and then uh, the drummer and the bass player. So we, we did all the instrumentals live, and uh, at the very end of the day, we had about 20 minutes left, and I was like, Sometimes I get on one in studio sessions where I'm just so pumped that I'm like, we can just record something. Like, let's just record something else. You know, we have 10 minutes. Let's go. Let's record. (laughs) So I was like, we had 20 minutes and I was like, I was like, oh, I have a bunch of songs. Like, let's, you know, let's, (laughs) let's record a new, another song, another song. And so I really at the time didn't have many like finished songs prepared. And I was like, oh, but I have this song, Lonely Beasts I've had for a while, blah, blah, blah. And so I literally, you know, played the song for them one time in the control room, you know, just played them the song, sang it, showed them the chords, you know. And uh, we went in there into the live room and we did two takes. I think it was the second take and that, and then the day was done. Wow. And Dude, uh, that's amazing. And, and it was like, I was had the chills. I was like, wow, like that felt really good. I don't know if, you know, that's even going to be on there, but that felt really good. I'm so stoked yeah. we, we did that. Because I've been in sessions before where I have those ideas where I'm like, well, let's just re- do one more <laughs> thing. And, and I, it's a lot of times people are like, you're crazy, dude. Stop being here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have 20 minutes. Yeah, Come you're on, crazy. Yeah. Like, we got to yeah. pack up and stuff. And but that was such a good. It was the first time where because it was a full-on solo endeavor, I I was the full-on director and pro- kind of producer of it of saying like, no, let's just we have 20 minutes. Let's just do it. You know. Yeah, and Everyone's hey, like, sure. You're it's the my 20 minutes, your, man. Your name's on this thing. <laughs> yeah. So whatever you want to do. And I'm so glad we did because the next day I came back. I, I recorded vocals and. Uh, and we did some, you know, me and John just by ourselves added some some flavors, you know, some some synth and Mellotron, whatnot, whatnot, and percussion, and and uh, and so yeah, that was a product of two days in the studio. And um, granted, the, there were demos prior to that, you know, so there was a basis to go off of what songs we were recording, this kind of thing. But uh, I was going to call the EP "I Am Left," and then I was like, wait a minute, "Lonely Beast" is more. More, strong, stronger really name, strong. and uh, and decided to put the song on there, and and I'm glad that I did because people seem to to enjoy it. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah I it, I really liked it a lot. I, I mean the whole the whole vibe of the EP resonated with me a lot, but like especially now that you've explained it, um, the the kind of where the place the the place that it was all coming from, I, it really resonates with me as well. That idea of like, you know, being left alone as a good thing rather than like, oh, I'm left alone. Mm. You know, this time to sort of like be introspective and grow. Um, right. So, do you have uh, one of your contemporary songs you'd like to play? Well, can us? we hear Lonely Beast? We've been talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah.
mother's gone I am just a simple one Sleeping through the sun Come and see What human touch can do to me Help me make it through my just a lonely beast Windows cracked I'll hear you when you come right back I'll see you when the day turns black You're coming back Company I always hate the company You'd think someone could comfort Instead they lock me up I can't believe that wasn't even planned to be on the record. That's so wild. It, <laughs> I know. You know, um, so good. We kind of have to wrap it up, but I was wondering if you might want to tell us about Terrence, the tour guide. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, well, so Terrence Bradley um, was a man who lived in Mumbai, and we went there to play a music festival about three hours north of Mumbai with Young the Giant at a winery which India isn't necessarily known for wineries, but this was uh, <laughs> someone who started a winery. And um, so the first morning we were there, our bass player, Payam, he tends to just wake up early in general. Um, I love that. And he met someone, um, I can't remember who he, what his name was, um, who he met, but he met someone who got, you know, went and I think got a tea with him and kind of showing him around and, um, said, oh, you should meet, you know, this man, Terrence Bradley, he'll give you a tour of the city later. And so he, they ended up kind of stumbling upon Terrence sitting on the steps somewhere and um, got to talking to him and had a pl- kind of had a plan to meet outside of the hotel at a certain time, you know, whatever, eight, nine in the morning. So I had woken up by that point and I went to breakfast at the hotel and Pimes there talking about this guy who's going to take... A, us on a tour if anyone wants to go on the tour so we ended up going on the tour and um it was an incredible tour of mumbai and he was a very nice man um he took us through the slums um he took us to the um the laundry district he yeah he took us to the thieves market uh which was really really interesting Uh, you know it had everything like um car parts and what they said was that if you left like your bike or your car nearby within like the day it would be like basically taken apart and sold for pieces at the at the market and uh really a lot of interesting stuff like you know antiques and and it was so much I remember yeah like old coins and old art and it was really incredible I believe it's called the chore bazaar I hope I'm saying that correctly. The Chor Bazaar, that's the Thieves Market. So that was really interesting. Um, and yeah, we just spent a day with this, with this guy going in and out of bars and walking and taking <laughs> trains all around <laughs> Mumbai. And yeah, it was a really incredible experience. I'm very grateful that Payam got up early and met this man. And Yeah, yeah. highly recommend watching it. It's on YouTube. Uh, check out that documentary. It's so great. Man, this has been so wonderful and so peaceful outside with you. <laughs> yes. It's here for thank Eric, you. man. Yeah, thank, thank you, Eric. Thanks for having thank me. you so much. Thank you. And you played so many songs. We're so lucky. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. No we, got, we got like bonus songs. 
<laughs> All good. Thank you so much. Yeah, so that was our interview with Eric Kanata from Young the Giant, Travelers, Coma Culture, and 8 Million Other Bands. Eric has so much new music coming soon. Young the Giant's fifth album, American Bollywood, is coming out in four acts. Acts 1, Origin, and 2, Exile are out now. This is their first release under their own independent label, Jungle Youth. They are also touring the U.S. in October. Uh, Coma Culture's second album and a new solo record are also in the works. So, of course, you can find all his various projects on Spotify or wherever you stream music. You can also follow him on Instagram at Eric underscore C-A-N-N-A-T-A. You can follow us on Instagram, too, at Rockwardness, which you probably already know how to spell. We will, of course, put all of this information, plus more info about the random things we talked about, in our show notes. And if you enjoyed the show, we really hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review. Because that's what helps us get into the algorithm and into more ears. So thank you for listening. This is our very first episode. We hope you'll check out our other interviews with Double Wish, Bob Love, John Velasquez, and Alice Gray, and more to come every week. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much, guys.